Thanks for an awesome presentation. And I'm a millennial, and I don't live in my parents' house, so that's good. Okay, um, our scripture reading today comes from Exodus 23, verses 10 and 11. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among you may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyards and your olive grove. Good morning, everybody. I'm Peter Johnson, the Associate Superintendent for the Eastern District, and uh, it's my privilege to come and, and share with you this morning. And I can't tell you how excited I am to meet Roger and to hear of the ministry that he's had with, with Timo. The reason why I'm excited is because I was the one that developed the initial Timo program for Africa and Inland Mission back in 1987. Uh, we led the first teams in Kenya amongst the Luo people, and uh, uh, did my studies at TED's Trinity Evangelical Divinity School on developing the curriculum that now he's changing everything, which is good. It's good. It's, uh, um, when we started, Timo was in one location, and the old missionaries, the old timers in Africa Inland Mission did not want me to even come talk to them. I remember one day... Um, I, I was sitting at the guest house in, in, in Nairobi and I sat down across a lady and she said, who are you? I said, I'm Peter Johnson. Well, what do you do? I said, I'm, I'm coming to help start the Timo program. And she got, she pushed back her chair. She looked at me. She said, I need two freezers. I'm like, okay. That's because when Timo goes in, they go in basically carrying what they can carry on their backs and uh, anything else they might need, they buy locally. At least that's what we did back when I was working with Timo. Very, very simple kind of the the, um, the guys that would go in and, and just kind of take a beachhead for Christ sort of a ministry. So it's so exciting to hear that it's spread from one location to how many countries? 22 countries. 22 countries. It's great. Praise God. It's good to see that when you do something, it actually works for a change, right? It's not just... Not just theory. Um, how many of you remember John D. Esterhazy? Any, any of you old timers here remember John D. Esterhazy? He was a member of the church here for many years. He's out in central Pennsylvania now. And um, part of my job with the Free Church is to help churches that are looking for pastors find pastors. And John was looking for a ministry. And I was, even though he's not in the Free Church, I was able to connect him with a church out there. And he's doing really well. I just wanted to pass that greeting along from him to you if you remember John from years and years ago. Uh, the Free Church continues to grow. Uh, Karen and I just got back from the National Evangelical Free Church Conference that was held in Austin, Texas. So we flew in a couple of days ago so that I could be with you today. Um, in the Eastern District, we just brought a new pastor in from, from Los Angeles. He'd been a pastor out there for 25 years doing a lot of Timo sort of ministry out there, uh, multicultural ministry in Los Angeles. We just brought him to the Still Meadow Evangelical Free Church in Baltimore to start a residency program there, working primarily with African-American pastors who want to work in urban, in inner city sort of ministry. And so um, I'm excited to be involved with that with him uh, down in Baltimore. Just to let you know, the Free Church continues to grow and to thrive, and we are so glad for your ministry here. 
know, you're, you're one of the, the, the steady churches up here in Bergen County, and we're glad for that. We praise God for that. Well, today I'm, uh, I'm here to preach for Pastor Kevin, who started his sabbatical uh, this last week, and I'll be here on the last week before he comes back, kind of the bookends of the, of the sabbatical. And I wanted to talk today about what a sabbatical rest looks like. So if you have a, a Bible and you want to turn back to where we just were in, in Exodus, we'll be there um, and a couple of other places as well. And you might be wondering about a sabbatical. What is it? Why does any pastor need one? Um, uh, I was reading a, a quote from Horatio Bonner. And maybe you've heard some of his music or read some of his books. He was a uh, living in the 1800s, he said this, Go then and labor on while it is day. The world's dark night is hastening on. Speed, speed thy work. Cast sloth away. It is not this that souls are one. You know, some people think, why does a pastor need to take time off? That's just slothfulness, isn't it? Why does he need to rest? Well, we're going to talk about this this morning. And I've heard those sorts of questions over the years from some of our churches. Why does our pastor need to take a break? If we can't take a break, why should our pastor take a break? Well, we'll think about that in a minute. It's becoming more and more common for pastors to to take sabbaticals, especially in the evangelical churches. Um, but there are other places as well, other secular companies that are offering sabbaticals today. Nike, Google, even Uber offer sabbaticals to their, to their long-term employees. And just yesterday I was listening to a, um, an interview on the radio with um, the, the, uh, a, a rock and roll band called Imagine Dragons. If you're, if you're a millennial, you probably have heard of them. They're kind of a popular rock and roll group. People like me, i never heard of it before I listened to the interview yesterday. But uh, they took, after seven years of touring constantly, they decided to take a, a sabbatical because they were depressed. They had lost their families in all of the touring. They had to get back and recapture their, their, their life again to reconnect with their families. So let's take a look at this word and what it means for a pastor and for the congregation. As we get started by looking at the word, let me pray. Father, as we open the word of God today, I pray that you'd guide us and help us to understand what a sabbatical means, not just for Pastor Kevin, but for us in the congregation here. We are thankful, Lord, for how you will guide us through the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The word sabbatical has different meanings depending on the context where you're at. Uh, in, in the church, I define a sabbatical as a time of spiritual rest, reflection, and rejuvenation. It's not some extra weeks of vacation. It's not. Understand that. The pastor is given paid leave to rest, to rejuvenate, and perhaps to, to study deeper than he's able to in the everyday work world, but not to study the latest technique on 
how to build your church, but rather to study and just be in the presence of God. Study God. Study his word. Meditate on who he is. Why do pastors need a sabbatical? Well, it's true that people in other professions will work just as hard as a pastor will. It's not uncommon for business people to to work 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week. They have great stress, just like pastors do. But you know what? If If a person in the secular business world gets divorced, he doesn't lose his job. If a business professional spiritual life grows stale, nobody but his own family will really worry about that. If, well, if somebody in the secular world struggles with pornography or alcohol abuse or other problems, it usually is no problem for their work life. If it is, they get help and then they come right back to work. But it's rare. It's a rare church that sees their pastor as human beings. Notice I'm pausing there. As human beings who might struggle, who fail, and will be forgiven. Now, don't get me wrong, and I've talked to Pastor Kevin, I've talked to the elders. He is not going through alcohol abuse or or some other sin issue. That's not why he's away. He's away so that he can remain healthy spiritually, to rest, to re-energize. You know, in the course of a day, a pastor can deal with tragedies of, of parishioners. Get a phone call, a pastor goes to the hospital, a pastor goes to a home. They pray with, they cry with family members. A pastor on a daily basis will counsel people with deep spiritual issues. A pastor can be flattered with praise on the one hand and then the next moment get a phone call of deep criticism. It becomes almost a spiritual schizophrenia that can take place with some of us. But you say, well, that's the way it is in the world too, right? Unlike most, in a congregation, a pastor is on on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And unlike any other job, we're not just co-workers or employees only dealing with the, the business world, but a pastor has to deal uh, with Everybody in the congregation, not just as an employee or as, as, a, as a co-worker, but as family. We're, we're family in this room, aren't we? We live together. We work together. We pray together. We worship together. Sometimes we go on vacation together. We are closer with one another than we are with some of our own biological family members. And when that, when, when that phone rings at 2 in the morning from the hospital... A pastor goes and deals with the crisis of a family member, a spiritual family member. And then he has to get up and be back at work at 9 a.m. for another full day of work. Most of us don't have to do that. 
Rarely can a pastor have time of uninterrupted thinking and praying and, and, uh, and reflection, studying. And yet many church members will expect a pastor to preach sermons as if they've prayed and studied the entire week for that sermon. Nor can a solo pastor give attention to the future direction, the planning that the elders want him to go through to figure out where is the church going to be five years from now, ten years from now. They just don't have time when you're also visiting and counseling and doing the youth group and everything else that a solo pastor has to do. Now, now don't get me wrong. Your pastor's not going to complain about this because he's called of God. This is a calling. We're happy to do it. Don't feel bad if the pastor's job is a tough one. I want to ask a question as we get started this morning. Who cares for the pastor? Who cares for you? Who cares for your pastor who's caring for you? If year after year... A pastor doesn't care for his own soul. If, if he doesn't respect his own personal limits, knowing where, how far he can go and where his limitations are. If, if a pastor doesn't work at his relationship with God and with his family, then very often that pastor's ministry will fall apart. His life might fall apart. They might falter morally. They might get sick uh, with a, you know, something that's emotionally causing physical illness, they might burn out. The bottom line here today is that a pastor can a pastor can be a, a pastorate can be a, a a very exhausting vocation, but a sabbatical can be a welcome time to slow down and get healthy again. A lack of spiritual rest is especially hazardous to the effectiveness of pastoral ministry, and it will affect you as a church if your pastor is struggling and just burned out. Bob Burns is an author. He's written a book called Resilient Ministry. He and a couple of other researchers did a longitudinal study over several years of thousands of pastors from every spectrum of the church world out there The only common factor with all of the pastors that they interviewed was this, longevity. These were all pastors that had been in ministry for a long, long time. And they found that there are five reasons to the stick-to-itiveness of a pastor in ministry. I'd like to list them for you. The first one is this, spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. A pastor that sticks with it for the long haul is able to care and feed for his own soul. He's in the word of God, not just to preach a sermon, but for his own personal well-being. He knows how to pray. He knows how to feed his soul. The second uh, uh, reason for stick to this is self-care. Self-care. Such a pastor develops a pattern of reasonable work hours of knowing when to rest. And that's not just sleep, but it does involve sleep, but also taking a weekly Sabbath rest. How many of us in the room take a Sabbath rest? I have a day off, but 
Are you spending time with God? And even a sabbatical was listed as an important key factor for the longevity of pastors. Being able to exercise and diet. The third reason for stick to in ministry, according to Bob Burns in this book, Resilient Ministry, is emotional and cultural intelligence. A knowledge of self. I know my limits. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. And I know the, 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 the sort of um, emotional and cultural intelligence of the people around me. So that if I'm weak over here, I can find somebody who's strong. Sort of like hiring to my weakness, if you will. The fourth is marriage and family. I can't tell you in my role as an associate superintendent how many pastors I've met over the years who are no longer in ministry because their spouse did not want to be at that church or didn't want to be in ministry anymore. The role of family in the life of the pastor is crucial for stick Now, the one focal point of these four um, uh, points if you think about it, of spiritual formation, caring for my soul, self-care in terms of uh, rest and exercise and so forth, emotional and cultural intelligence, knowing myself, my, the role of my family, making sure my family is, is in a good place. The focal point of these four points is what? Caring for myself before I care for others. Uh, when we were flying home from, from Austin the other day, uh, when, when we got on the plane, we sat down. The, the, the flight attendant, as you, if you've been on an airplane, stands in the front and holds a, a yellow face mask in front of him and says, if there's air cabin pressure messes up, put this on who first? You first. Put it on yourself before you put, help your child or somebody else around you. Because if you're not breathing, you're going to pass out and then you'll be no good to anybody else. You understand that a pastor has to take care of himself before he can take care of others. Well, the fifth reason for stick after he's dealt with his own self-care, is leadership and management. Pastors who stick to it for a long time are able to lead adaptive and constructive change in their Church, when the community begins to change, a pastor will know how that change is going to affect his congregation, know what to do with it. When the congregation starts to get older or starts to get younger, you're going to do different kinds of ministry, you see. Managing order and consistency in the church. An interesting statistic that we've discovered is this. With rare exception. With rare exception, pastors who have sabbaticals will have longer tenure in their church than those who don't because they're less likely to experience burnout. The health of the shepherd will influence the health of the, of the flock. Do you understand that? The, the health of the shepherd will influence the health of the flock and the health of the flock will impact the community's health as well. So what exactly is a sabbatical? 
Well, some pastors take sabbaticals to read as many books as they can on some topic or to go study all of the latest, greatest churches that are out there or to plan the next building program for a few months. A biblical sabbatical is more about rest and rejuvenation. It's not about writing a book. The biblical precedent and common practice is for pastors to go on sabbatical about every seven years for prolonged rest and a spiritual recharge of the batteries. It's an extended time in which you do, listen, it's an extended time in which you do no work. Doesn't that sound wonderful? No work. When we were leading the Timo ministry, the first six months of the two-year commitment, we told our team members, you are to do no work, except for developing relationships and learning language in the context of the community. All of our team members, every single one of them thought, this is going to be wonderful for about the first two weeks. And then they started to go stir crazy. Why? Because most of us from the West, we are geared to do, not to be. But in order to do well, you have to learn to be. Does that make sense? And those, you know, we didn't, we didn't force them. Those workers, those Timo members that started doing ministry before they learned culture, before they learned language, they didn't do so well at the end of the two-year time because they had not taken the time to really learn to be a part of that community. Resting is hard work. It's an extended time in which you do no work. You do not pastor. I was glad to hear what Steve said, that you're not going to call your pastor. You're going to protect him from that. You don't try to accomplish anything big or make things happen from a distance. You you hit the pause button, and that's what's happening here. You as a church are hitting the pause button. You're taking a step back. So that Pastor Kevin can just be with God. To worship our creator, our redeemer. To relearn how to wait on him. And that's really hard work. Do you know how hard it is in a culture where the long work week ethic is valued? To not do that? Where to produce is expected or you might lose your job. Where doing is the name of the game. Do you know how hard it is to just be? To to just stop and be with God? As I've spoken to a lot of pastors who go on sabbatical. Many pastors who leave on sabbatical for the first couple of weeks anyway really struggle. What am I going to do with all this free time? 
we're, we're geared to. On Monday, we practice our sermons. We develop our sermons. On Tuesday, we counsel. On Wednesday, we have meetings and prayer meeting. On Thursdays, we're meeting with board members. You know, we get into a routine, a pattern, and all of a sudden, that's gone. No one needs my expertise. No one's calling me to say, what, pastor, what should we do with I'm no longer acting as the shepherd, and I, I feel like a nobody. Church leader Dallas Willard says this regarding a sabbatical. When you first start on your sabbatical, you need to be trained in extended solitude and silence. Most pastors like to talk. They don't like to be quiet for extended periods of time. It's hard to do this, just being silent with Jesus. He writes this, eventually after your body stops jittering and after your thoughts stop flitting about and after you start feeling your emotions again after a long time of having to squash the emotions, after your, your self, your, your ideal self that performs and pleases others is being dismantled, after you experience your nothingness and your nakedness before God, after you experience unconditional love, then you can begin to really rest in your body and your soul. Well, what does the Bible teach about Sabbath rest? I asked you to go to Exodus. I'm actually going to have you put your finger in there. We're going to start with Psalm 23. You might have memorized it, so you don't need to go there. But as I've been reflecting on several passages, this one came to mind. It starts this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. During a sabbatical, you're no longer the shepherd. The under-shepherd. You're no longer actively acting as the shepherd of the flock. You're now sitting under the great shepherd for your own soul's journey. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Why does a sheep lie down in a green pasture? What's he doing in the green pasture? What's that all about? Anybody? Somebody's got to be awake still. I didn't put you asleep this fast. You're eating, right? You're nourishing yourself. That's what the green is all about. He leads me beside still waters. Yes, to drink, but my wife knows this about me, that my favorite place in the world, the place where I can rest, is in front of a quiet lake or a stream where I can just stop and stare at the water. When we were pastoring over in Creskill, we'd go up to Camp Spofford. Not a lot of you have been up to Camp Spofford. Uh, and Karen and I would go during seniors week even though I was only in my 40s and 50s at that point we'd go during seniors week because it was quieter and all these old timers from Creskill would be under the shade on the right hand side of the beach and in the morning I'd go and say hi how are you how are you they have a good sleep and I'd say okay I'm going to the other side leave me alone I'm on vacation this week and they got it. You know, we, we would laugh about it. but They got it. I needed to unwind and just stare at the water. 
Sometimes we just need to get away to a sacred spot and just get quiet. He restoreth my soul. Most pastors' souls are frayed even on their good days. Soul restoration only comes as we submit to the Lord as our shepherd, lying down and being still in his presence. You know what? It's not going to be the number of books that Pastor Kevin reads in these next few weeks or the conferences that he might go to that will restore his pastor soul. He needs to rest under God. Pastors need to be taken out of circulation for a while to revision and restructure their lives in communion with Jesus, to see what Jesus is doing in his kingdom work. In our Western culture today, we work hard for 40 or more years, don't we? We say, I'll rest when I retire. How many of you have thought that or heard that? I've said that. But I want to give us a different idea. I'm I'm confessing before you today, I'm not very good at this. I'm learning. I'm going on a sabbatical this year in the next few months. So I'm learning. I'm, I'm studying. I'm thinking about this even for myself. But I think there's a different idea that's actually a biblical and healthier way of thinking about life than working for 50 years and then retiring in order to rest. Rest has its highest value when it's interspersed with work. You get a pattern going of working for really hard for a while and then resting and then going back to work and resting. The rhythm of rest and work gives sustainable energy and perspective on life and joy over the long term. Just ask my wife how lacking in joy I can get when I have been working too many hours and not taking my Sabbath rest. I'm not a fun person to be with. So to work 70 hours a week with no real Uh, with no real rest, limited or no vacations, it might help you get a raise at work, but it's going to kill you. It's going to kill your soul. It's going to kill your your, your emotions. To, To wait until retirement in order to rest is not a biblical way to think. So we might want to rethink the modern concept of retirement in light of the biblical teaching on the sabbatical year that we're going to look at in scripture. Work for seven days a week, 365 days a year for 45 years, and then rest is not a biblical Sabbath way of thinking. As I said, the the sabbatical year in the Bible is every seventh year. Let's look at Exodus now. Exodus chapter 23, verses 10 to 12. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. It's not saying if you grow your potatoes over here and your tomatoes over there, the next year you just rotate the crops. That might be good farming practice, but a biblical Sabbath meant Every seventh year, you just let it lay fallow. You don't do any work. 
Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat of what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, so that then the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. You see that a sabbatical, or even a Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath is not just for a pastor, but for everyone. Work hard for six days and then take a day of rest. Let everyone and everything take a rest. Your fields, which is where you work, as well as the animals, the poor, the slaves, and the foreign. I really like coming from Hershey, Pennsylvania, where we live, to be able to preach in Bergen County because you all still have the blue laws. I can get to a church on a reasonable hour on a Sunday morning because nobody else is out, unlike any other day of the week. It's an easy trip to come here. I'm glad you still have those blue laws. You still do have them, don't you? Good. There's a companion text. We've been in Exodus. Turn over one more book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus, chapter 25. Beginning in verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses. Leviticus 25, verse 1, on Mount Sinai. Now, what happened when, what was going on when God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai? He wasn't saying, Moses, if you really like me, you'll do this to make me feel good. No. When he spoke on Mount Sinai, it was a command. You will do this. So here he is on Mount Sinai saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Notice it's not saying the Lord is going to give you a Sabbath. No, the land will give a Sabbath to the Lord. This is for the Lord. For six years you shall sow your fields. For six years you shall prune your vineyards and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself, for your male and female slaves, and for your hired worker, for the sojourner who lives with you, and for your cattle, and for the wild animals that are in your field. All of its yield shall be for food. Go down to verse 20 to 22. What happens if we don't plant our fields? What are we going to eat? What's going on here? What shall we eat in the seventh year if we don't plant our harvest, our crops? Listen to this great verse. A verse of promise from God. If you are dedicated to taking a Sabbath, a sabbatical at some point, listen to this. I will send you such a blessing in the year before the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, The year after the sabbatical, after the Sabbath, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. Do you understand what's going on here? This seems like an obscure verse, but 
listen to this. You might be thinking, well, this, what is this resting the land thing going on? But, but what if the crops fail? In this passage in Leviticus 25, 20 to 22, God is promising a bumper crop the year before. That would be for three years. What's he doing here? God is asking the people, do you trust me? If it's important to God to take a Sabbath rest, it should be to us. Do you trust me? Clearly, the sabbatical year was a big step of trust in the goodness of the Lord to provide for his people. Will you stop doing all this busy work, important work? Planting your fields is important when you're in an agrarian society. But will you stop doing all this busy work and trust me to take care of you? Will you just sit at my feet for a while? Reflect with me. Pause and just be with me. Because I want to be with you, God is saying. What does the Bible say about the Trinity? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here's a picture of Jesus spending time with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Just being with them, loving together, a a perfect unity. And he created us to be with him as well, to spend time with him. He desires to be with you. When we go back to Exodus 23, verse 12, it says, The seventh year of Sabbath was a time of rejuvenation, a time of resting the land a time of resting the farmer, a time of of renewal. In Leviticus 25 and verse 4, the comparison verse, a rest for the land and a Sabbath to the Lord. The Sabbath included generosity towards the needy, doesn't it? Look at what it says. The slaves, the hired workers, the foreigner, the poor in the land were free to glean in the fallowed ground during the sabbatical year. But another benefit to a Sabbath here as well. People who had sold themselves into servitude were also given the blessing of a sabbatical year. They worked for six years, but on the seventh year, they were given their freedom. They didn't have to buy their freedom. It was given to them. Deuteronomy 15 says that their debts were canceled in the sabbatical year. Well, that's Old Testament. We're New Testament people. So what does Jesus, what does the New Testament say to us about the Sabbath? Uh, And I want to say this. It's not just about your pastor. Yes, he's gone for several weeks. But it's not just about him. It's also about you. We're made to live and to work while continually resting in and and relying on God. Jesus said that we should remember to keep the Sabbath. It's, It's the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Jesus said God created the weekly Sabbath day to care for us. All of us need to stop every once in a while and just rest. 
to take a break. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own work. Just as God did for his, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Hebrews 4, 9 to 11. And Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath, Matthew 12, 8 says. It's only by putting our total confidence in, in, in the person of, of the Son of God and Jesus Christ through his life, through his death, through his resurrection that we can experience the true and eternal Sabbath rest of God. So a Sabbath is ultimately a state of being. It's a, it's a lifestyle in which we find our enjoyment in God and our empowerment in God, our rejuvenation, our ability to work for him comes from God. Spending time with Christ means that Jesus becomes our Sabbath rest. We work not by the sweat of our brow, but by spending time with God and partnering with him. And so as I close today, the, the, the question at hand as we, as we hit this pause button for, for several weeks as Pastor Kevin is gone from us, I have two questions. The first one is this. Can Rivervale take a break and allow the ministry to rest? I think it can. I think you, you can. And you should. This isn't just about the farmer not planting the seed in this story in Leviticus and Exodus. This is about the land, too. It's not just about your pastor, but it's about the ministry of the church. How should this church rest? Where can you take a pause? What things can you let go of for the next few weeks? For those areas of ministry that must remain, my question to you is, will you partner with the Lord and trust God to take care of you even when Pastor Kevin is absent? How can you help out the church during his sabbatical? Maybe some of you need to step up and say, I can volunteer to do X, Y, Z. You just might find that you have some spiritual muscle that you, you don't often use because you expect Pastor Kevin to do that thing, whatever that thing is. The second question is this, will you pray during the sabbatical? His sabbatical already started this week. Will you pray from today until he returns and maybe even past his returning? Will you pray about developing your own personal weekly Sabbath rest in your weekly routine? Too many of us take a day off, but we don't really take a Sabbath break, a time on our day off where we spend time just with the Lord. Will you pray for a renewed vision for the church? God intends for something different, perhaps, to happen when Pastor Kevin returns. 
Will you release him to this time away and guard your pastor's Sabbath? And will you pray for Pastor Kevin as he decompresses? These next, this week and next week are going to be really tough on him. If he's thinking about yeah, ministry. Uh, one, of our, one of our pastors went on sabbatical recently. And when he preached his last sermon before he went on sabbatical and he prayed the prayer, he got in the car. His wife was ready. They were going to zoom off to their sabbatical. And before he could start, he broke down in tears and just started weeping uncontrollably. He couldn't drive. His wife had to drive. What's the matter? I'm a doer. I don't know what I'm going to do. He had to decompress and disconnect. Would you pray that Pastor Kevin will decompress and disconnect that he might regain some healthy rhythms of resting and sleeping and working? Would you pray that he would examine his own soul and make sure that everything is right with the Lord? Would you pray that he would refocus his calling here, his mission to reach Rivervale for Christ and resolve to come back afresh and anew with greater focus and effectiveness? Just going to read one quote from Drexel Rankin who wrote, Renewal Time, Planning Your Sabbatical. And then we'll pray. The sabbatical is a time of growth, of risk, and change for everyone. These processes will take place in the minister, in the minister's family, and with the congregation. These are also times of beginning a new refreshment, renewed vision, and a reconnecting with those whose influence that led us into the ministry in the first place. Let me pray this morning. Father, I want to thank you that this church has allowed their pastor to, to push the pause button, to take a step back, and to make sure that he's healthy emotionally and spiritually. Would you please refresh him in these next few weeks? Give him a a renewed passion for ministering here in Rivervale. Bless him and his family as they're away. And Lord, help the congregation as well to, to reflect and think about what things can we put on pause in order to to give the land a rest, to give the ministry of the church a rest so that when the fall begins and ministry picks up again, it will be ready to go full steam ahead. Well, thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.